I'm in a really sweet spot tonight with the Lord. I, I, it's really never premeditated how these messages are going to come forth. I really, I really don't know. So we're just, I'm going to move with the Lord and flow with the Holy Spirit as I'm supposed to do. I got to do my job. Somebody say, do your job, Brian. Thank you very much. I feel released. <laughs> well, it's true. I want to obey the Lord tonight, and I want to move with the Lord. I want to move with the Lord. Um, I don't want to miss this uh, before we start flowing in the Word tonight. Um, I cannot really overexpress or overemphasize my joy to have my mother, Karen, in the room tonight. I just want to honor, honor my mom. So thankful. Thank you, church. Um, thank you, church, so much. Um, two weeks ago, uh, we were we were literally at two weeks ago to, tonight. We were at the grave site, and um, but that's not my dad's site. My dad's sight is out of sight. <laughs> uh, he's really there. Dad's really there. And uh, he's where he's always dreamed of being. And uh, what is today? March, tell me, four? March 10th. March 10th will be mom and dad's 50-year anniversary. So I'm in a sweet spot with the Lord. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of joy, but there's a lot of emotions flowing through our world and our life and our family. So I want to do my very best, you know, to flow with God tonight. And uh, you've already told me to do my job, so I'm going to do it. Um, so before we break open Matthew 9, are you there? Matthew 9. Um, Bren and I, and, and by the way, Bren sends her love. Bren, is, Bren just flew out uh, hours ago to be in Ohio. Uh, for her father's birthday, that is tomorrow, and then her mother's birthday, which is Wednesday. And we had already planned it. We had already had it on the books. And then when we got home after all of this uh, huge uh, transition, uh, we were like, wow, do you really go? And, and as her husband, I said, honey, you're to go. You're to go. Go be with your family. Um, and she's supposed to be there celebrating them. I miss my wife tonight. Um, so much, but my wife sends her love to you, to all of you. You know, Bren loves this house, loves you. But it is wonderful to have mom right here and Bren's seat. So, amen. We love you, Bren. So, um, so Bren and I were uh, we were out with Glenn and Jenny the other day, and and uh, we had other Victory family in the house. And when I say in the house, it was not this house; it was Hollywood Eleven. So um, uh, we were with Philip, we were with Susie, we were with Linda. Where's Linda tonight? There's Linda. Linda and her sister was in there. Um, so we, we were seeing Jesus Revolution for the second time. Go ahead. You can shout. Go ahead. <laughs> wow. And uh, I, I was crying again. Uh, 
just weeping again, laughing again. We, we were just being really touched by the Lord, uh, just his kisses upon us and telling us, telling us through the screen, I'm doing it again. I'm here. I'm here. And I'm doing it again. And expect me to exceed all that you've ever dreamed or imagined or prayed for. And the prayers that God, hear this spiritually, folks. The prayers that God has gotten us pregnant with as the ecclesia in the earth, they are manifesting and we will see them visually before our eyes. And they will truly exceed and be exceedingly abundantly above all, all that we have ever dreamed or asked or imagined. The Spirit of God is sweeping the nations. And we are moving into the greatest harvest of souls before the return of King Jesus. So, so we had our moments there um, at Hollywood 11. And after the film, we, we went down to Philip and Susie and uh, to, to Linda and her sister. And we were all just gathered there. And we just began to talk. And the sweetness of God. I'm telling you, just the sweetness of God was just pouring over us. It was hard to keep our eyes dry in those moments. And the beauty of the Lord is moving upon the church. The timing, the timing of this film is so prophetic. It's so absolutely prophetic, the release of it. I implore you, if you've not been to the film, Jesus Revolution, I implore you, Go see this film about the Jesus People movement in the late 60s on into the early 70s and beyond where tens of millions of people, tens of millions of people were swept into the kingdom of God. The hippies were coming in. Charles, should I throw you the mic now? I know you're really wanting you I said hippies and you're in. I know, I know. <laughs> Man. It's just absolutely beautiful. And, and just the purity, the purity of the encounters are just amazing in the film. And it, it will touch you in that sacred space that will cause you to long and cry out for a fresh, fresh move of God. And we're, we're moving into it. We're moving into it. And your story has already been written into it. So... Anyway, I'm in a really sweet spot tonight with the Lord. And it's so good. It's so good. I want to pray again. Um, <laughs> wow. Those keys feel really good right now. Just keep playing, Cody. The goodness of God is here. Remember that the Lord, he sets a table before us. And he, he bids all to come and feast. And, and in these next moments, just feast on the Lord. While I'm taking the word and, and letting the word do its work and feed you and wash you and refresh you and challenge you, just feast on the Lord, okay? Lord, we just thank you again for this great privilege of being a family in the family of God, in the kingdom. Lord, thank you for the privilege of meeting this night. It's beautiful, Lord. 
and you are here. And because you are here, this place is holy. Because we are here, this place is holy. Meet with us, Lord. And Lord, feed us from your word tonight. Release words of life, words of life, words of power by the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that you are working in every detail of our life. In every detail, you are in the details right now. Even this night as we have been standing in this place, you have been moving on the behalf of every man and woman in here, orchestrating, setting things up, Lord, for the domino effect of your breath to just kiss it and to move forth, Lord, your vision and purposes in the earth. And, and I, I just want to encourage you to do this one more time. If you would, if you would lift your hands. And I don't like to over-instruct the church. I, I really don't. And I honor you in that. But I just ask you to lift your hands and just receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Be filled tonight. Be filled. Be refreshed. Be strengthened in your inner man tonight. If there be, any, if there be anything nagging you, let it be now severed off in Jesus' name. Every nagging voice, everything that's been bringing anxiety, be cut off the people of God right now. Right now. I just speak fresh oil. Lord, loose your angels through this room now and pour the holy golden oil over, your, over the heads of your people right now. Holy golden oil. Pour it in their lampstand right now. Matthew 9. You want to go there? <laughs> wow. You know, there's a real stirring in my heart for the gospel being presented to this generation. Obviously, that's paramount. The gospel has to be presented to this generation. And I am just feeling such a fresh uh, burning for souls that is being ignited in my heart. How many of you are experiencing that same thing? Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. That's awesome. I want to see them discipled. I want to see them trained. I want to see them come into their identity and sonship as, as sons and daughters. I want to see them come into their identity to know who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them. Matthew 9, then Jesus, verse 35, sorry. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. I want to pause and tell you if you've ever wondered what the will of God looks like on planet earth, you just read it. You never have to guess what God's will is. If, is it God's will to heal? Yes. Well, yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen. He's not going to put sickness and disease and afflict and put it upon you to afflict you, to cause you to be more humble in the kingdom of God. That's called child abuse. God does not afflict his children with sickness. He heals you of every disease. Am I preaching in the right church tonight? 
When he saw the multitude, he was moved. He was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Oh. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest, into his harvest. Now, don't miss that. He was moved with compassion. When, when compassion is moved to faith, then miracles can begin to manifest. When compassion can be moved to faith, then miracles can begin to manifest. And I'm sure oftentimes the disciples were watching Jesus and going, oh, my, <laughs> the compassion thing's hitting him again. Here we go. He was moved with compassion. He looked upon them. They were weary. He could tell they were weary. They were scattered. It's this generation, ladies and gentlemen, weary, scattered, burdened, burdened, hurt, broken down. And he had compassion on them. And he said, so this way, in verse 38, Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Let's read on verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. And keep me, keep me warm, guys. Um, I sang my voice out. <laughs> I did. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Jump down to verse 7. And as you go preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Hallelujah. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. If you've ever wanted to know what it looks like, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. Go forth, I've given you power and authority. Go forth, drive out every sickness, cast out demons, heal the sick. Come on. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Now, notice that what you've just read, that Jesus is not sending them out to do something hard. I, I need to encourage somebody in here. He's not really encouraged, or excuse me, he's not sending them out to really do something hard. He's actually sending them out to do something impossible trying to be very pastoral and encourage somebody on this side. The Lord's not calling you out to go do something hard. He's, he's actually calling you out to do something impossible. And, and it's totally impossible if you think it just happens by doing a good church life and mixing it up with the bros in the church and just doing good church and being nice little sweet Christianettes. No, 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 no. He sent his Holy Spirit upon the church to endue the church with power and anointing and fire to drive out demons, to heal the sick. Come on. To open the eyes of the blind. Come on, church. He gave the Holy Spirit. He released the Holy Spirit so that we could do the impossible. For with God, no thing is impossible. Shout to the Lord. Come on. I should write a song, Shout to the Lord. Oh, wait. 
Oh, wait, it's already happened. Wait a second. So again, the Lord's not sending you out to do something hard, my friend. He's sending you to do something that in the natural, it really isn't possible. That's why you must be endued with the Holy Spirit. That's why you must receive and keep receiving a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you are not walking in your natural self. You're not walking in what you think the limitations of your personality is. And you've got yourself all figured out. And I'm this and I'm this. And this is what my personality does. This is what my personality doesn't do. It's not about that. It's about the Spirit of God filling you to overflowing so that you move out of the abundance of the Spirit. And you move and you begin to prophesy and you begin to move in faith, and you begin to move in healing, and you begin to move in miracles, you begin to move in signs and wonders. This is the inheritance of the kingdom of God. But the prayer of Jesus is this, and I love what Jesus identified. He said, I need you to join me in this. I need you to understand something. You have to pray that laborers and harvesters are sent out. Now, stay with me here. About 10 years ago, this time, it was, it was actually April of 2013. About 10 years ago, I was preaching in Dallas, Texas at Christ for the Nation, CFNI, Christ for the Nations Institute. And we were in a series of meetings throughout that week. The next night was Lou Engel. How many of you know who Lou Engel is? Of course. If I do that enough, my, hair, my hairspray is going to break and it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down. <laughs> So, so Lou, Lou, you're welcome for that. So Lou, he gets up uh, that night. He starts preaching on, out of this actual very text. And he talks about how the Greek word for send out is actually ekbelo. Uh, and that's E-K-B-E-L-L-O, ekbelo. And this is what it means. Listen, it means to be cast out. It means to be, take some notes tonight. It means to be thrust out. It, it means to be pushed out with force. Now, you got to grab a hold of this. Jesus is saying, I, I want you to pray and join me, join the Lord of the harvest, that harvesters will literally be taken and bellowed. They'll be thrusted out into the harvest field. I, I, I need you to grab hold of this because... Uh, the Lord actually wants to grab you really, really good in his grip, and he wants to cast you out into the harvest field. And there's a lot of believers and Christians right now that are doing everything they can to insulate their life and their world with not having to enter into the mess. The Spirit of God is saying, I want to take you, and I want to thrust you out into the harvest fields. Do I have any harvesters in, in here tonight? Come on. Now, <laughs> I'm going to tell this story. Mom, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, I was thinking about being, it's okay. I was thinking about being thrusted out, and, and my dad wanted to teach me how to swim. And so we went down together. You remember this? We went down to the YMCA. And my dad had bought the, the coolest, coolest uh, raft with these awesome oars. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And so we had blown this raft up. And, you know, we're, we're oaring out into this huge Olympic pool. And we're, we're way in the deep end. And I'm talking to my dad. And I'm excited. And he's going to teach me how to swim. 
And my dad, uh, he ekbellowed me. He grabbed me by my shorts and he just threw me up in the air with joy. And I landed in the deep end and when I popped up through the surface of the water, I was swimming for dear life to the very end. And he was yelling at me, that's it, that's it, you got it, that's it, you got it, you got it. And when I got to the side, man, I was terrified. I turned around and looked at him, he goes, look at that, you can swim. I was, I was ekbellowed. I was thrusted out. I was cast out, right? It's a good picture. <laughs> Dad's in the, uh, the cloud of witnesses tonight. He's saying, amen. That was, amen. That was good. That was a good day. <laughs> but here's, here's what I want you to hear tonight. I, I just, I, I can hear, and we're, we're going to get there in a little bit, but I can hear Isaiah you know, saying, here, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, here am I, Lord, send me. Thrust me out, thrust me out, send, send me out. I want to tell you how I, I pray, and maybe you, maybe you put it in your notes tonight. But I'm, I'm, I'm asking the Lord to freshly send me and send us. And the way, that, the way that I have prayed for many decades now is I pray in this way. When I think about being ekbellowed by God, I, I say, God, Put your word in my mouth like a fire. Now, these are very practical prayers, but I want you to grab hold of them. You, you can make them your own. God, God, put your word in my mouth and in my belly like a fire so that, so that when I speak, the, the gravity of your presence and the burning of your presence lands on people. Are you with me? I pray this way. I say, Lord, put your anointing in my voice. Lord, put your anointing in my voice. I'm telling you, pray this way, believe this way, have expectation for it. And it's not a pride thing. You, you will see, you'll go, you'll, go into, you'll go into a restaurant, you'll go into places, and it's like when you begin to speak, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon your voice, all of a sudden it'll start diminishing and silencing other voices, and they'll turn towards it, and they'll begin to listen. They'll have ears to hear it. I'm talking about the anointing. I'm not talking about what you look like or what you don't look like. It's not about your hair. It's not about the color of your earrings. It's not about your outfit. I'm talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit resting on us when we are ekbellowed by the Spirit of God and we're moved out into the harvest field. So I pray, Lord, put your anointing on my voice. Another thing I always pray, as I say, Lord, put your presence on my touch and my hands. Put your anointing on my touch. Put your anointing on my hands. I'm telling you, you pray that, you get out into the world where it's really messy, where there's a lot of confusion. Are you hearing me? Where there's a lot of confusion, where all of that's going on. You know, and, and people will come to you that they, you know, you know what I'm saying. They'll want you to put their hands on them in the wrong ways. Men and women, are you hearing what I'm saying? But when they get touched by a person that is filled with the Holy Ghost, it's totally different. Suddenly they feel, they feel the holiness of God. 
So, Lord, put your anointing on my voice. Put your presence on my touch and in my hands. And I pray this. I say, Lord, put your creativity and your wisdom in my mind. So that, so that when I'm looking at a, pers- a person and I'm talking to them and I'm being present in the moment and I'm listening to them and I'm going eye to eye with them, I'm being present, and, but I'm also in conversation with the Holy Spirit and how am I going to take them to you? When am I going to turn the page and how am I going to get them to you, Lord? Are you seeing it? And then I always pray, Lord, let the shine of your presence be on my countenance. I pray that all the time. And as I pray it, what happens is, is that sp- people get spiritually attracted to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Jesus, we learn in this text, look at the words of Jesus. We learn in the text, Jesus identifies something very key for us, that the harvest is not the problem. The Lord says the harvest is mine. Notice he calls it, it's his harvest. But, but the problem is there's lack of of laborers. There's lack of those that are actually being sent. And and that's why he says, pray with me that they answer the call. People got to hear the call. They've got to be obedient to this calling. And I I don't like to say this, but there's a lot of people in American churches that they're, they're sitting in a lot of services. They're listening to a lot of messages. They're saying amen to a lot of sermons. But but unfortunately, at this point, they're not doing much with what they're being given. And I don't like saying that, but here's where I am at tonight. I want you to know I am deliberately aiming. I'm on a quest tonight. I'm, I'm aiming my arrows with fire in them upon. I'm looking for those that want to enter into the laboring and the harvest fields of the Lord. That's who this message is aimed to. Because God has to get us there. Into the harvest fields. Messy. Oh, absolutely. Messy? Ha <laughs> ha, yeah. Necessary? Oh, yes. Revival is not neat and sanitary. <laughs> Awakening is not neat and sanitary. It, it, it is messy. And the Lord of the harvest wants to get you and I out into the mess to put our anointed hands on the messy situations to let our voice have the clarity of the Spirit of God in them to cut through and begin to pierce darkness and set people free from chains and bondage. Come on, can I get an amen in this house? Don't be afraid of the mess. Don't be afraid of the mess. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Say that. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Say it again. The Holy Spirit is my helper. One more time, say it again. The Holy Spirit is my helper. But hear this tonight. The Holy Spirit is not the doer. You're the doer. The the Holy Spirit is the helper, but you're the doer. you got to grab hold of this. Recognize what the Holy Spirit's work is and then join in it and get going in it. But also then ask the Holy Spirit, seek, seek from Him your part. And then do it at all costs and at all risk. Whatever it's going to take. Do not hesitate on it. Stop procrastinating. Stop procrastinating on what the Lord has told you to do. Stop hesitating. Don't deviate from what he's telling you. Am I preaching to anybody in here? So the Holy Spirit is the helper. You're the doer. He's your greatest partner. We cannot be salt 
and light. Stay with me tonight. I, I really need to go the distance tonight. Don't be distracted by anything. Just stay, stay locked in. We can't be salt and light without recognizing we have to engage in this time. This is a critical hour, ladies and gentlemen. We, we're coming up to critical mass. We're, we're coming up to tipping point moment. Do you understand this? I mean, I mean listen, I, I'm, I'm taking hold of this really strong. Releasing my dad, my, my mom being here. This is an epic chapter. But I, I'm telling you, I'm having to get alone with God and saying, God, I, I have all of this swirl going on. But, Lord, your grace is so much greater. Your grace is so much greater. You are calling us right now into this radical time of outpouring. You can't miss it for anything. We can't, and we're not going to miss it for anything. Mom, we're not going to miss it for anything. Come on, church. Christians have been long insulating their lives from the mess and what's messy out there. But this generation, this emerging Gen Z, this emerging Gen Alpha, they need us to go into the harvest fields. We've got to go find them. We've got to go get them. Amen. And I will say this, um, some churches right now, I mean, they, they've got to find their real courage. And they've got to really now engage in what the Holy Spirit, the high calling of the Holy Spirit is releasing. And if they don't, unfortunately, God's going to put their lampstand out. So the words of Jesus, Matthew 5, we're still in the gospel of Matthew, now I'm in 5. We are salt and we are light. Say it, we are salt and we are light. Say it again, we are salt. And we are light. Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled under, underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill. It cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit wants to partner with you so that you get out of here and start doing some good, glorious works before men. And what's going to happen is you're going to give glory to your Father. Come on, shout amen. amen. What's Jesus saying? He's saying there's no more hiding. There's no more, there's no more insecurity. There's no more shrinking backwards. There's, there's no more excuses. We are all responsible for being salt and light. This word is not for the guy on the other side of the sanctuary. This word is for you. Let it land on you tonight. There's no more excuses. Now, Jesus calls those, stay with me here. <laughs> Jesus calls those that are more devoted to understanding the weather more than understanding the times. He calls them this, this horrible H word that you really want to stay away from your whole life. It's called hypocrite. I never want hypocrisy in my life. I'm like you. You're like me. I don't want anything to do with what's fake. I, I don't. I don't want anything to do with what's fake. I want to be in the genuine and the real and the authentic. A.W. Tozer what was the one who said, I don't want anything to do with church. I want everything to do with the Spirit of God. Are you with me tonight? 
So when we begin to understand the times, and again, the Holy Spirit is our tutor. The Word of God is your tutor. That, that Word sitting in your lap or on your phone or your iPad right now, that Word is to train you, to equip you, to empower you, and then the Spirit of God comes on it and breathes on it and, and reveals the deep things of God. You can find that in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 10. He, the Spirit of God searches all things. He reveals the depths of God. No one who is truly led by the Spirit of God will be shallow in their understanding. Write it down. See, if you're led by the Spirit of God, you will love the truth enough to seek it out. You'll be compelled to have a greater depth. You'll, you'll be compelled to add greater depth to your knowledge. So, oh boy. Even if you're convinced tonight in this room that the rapture is going to spare you from the great tribulation or God's wrath coming to the earth, as Jesus began to prophesy in Matthew 24, you might know the address. If you don't, right, put it in your notes. In Matthew 24, the things that he began to warn us of prophetically, and he called them birth pains. However, Preparing for the times, grab a hold of this, this is strong. Preparing for the times is not just about survival, it is about overcoming. Yeah. Grab a hold of this tonight. It's not about survival. Now, I, listen, I, I, I'm not backing up to tell you, I, I'm not the guy who's embarrassed that's been telling you to prepare, to prepare your food, to prepare your water, to, to prepare your medical supplies, to prepare your ammunitions, all of those things. You need to prepare. But this is not about survival mode, ladies and gentlemen. This is about learning how to overcome in these dark ages. Are you still with me? Oh, my. Stay with me tonight. But this is what it's about. It's about overcoming, and here we go. It's about finding our part in the laboring and entering into the greatest harvest of souls that the earth will ever see so that Jesus receives his full inheritance. And the world is getting darker. I mean, I don't have to beat that drum very long. You're with me. The world is getting very dark, and it's getting dark very fast, and for this reason... It was through the prophet Isaiah that the Lord thundered, and he said, it is now time, tell the people, it's time to arise and shine. It's time to tell them, arise and burn, for their light has come. And the glory of the Lord is now rising upon them. You know the scripture. And he says, even though darkness is going to be all over the earth, and even deep darkness is going to be all moving and mounting on the people. What you're going to see in the ecclesia is the glory of the Lord now rising upon them to meet the darkness of this age. What is the harvest? Very simple it's this. It's when a seed is fully grown into its highest level of maturity. And so every seed that has ever been planted into the earth, every seed of the demonic is growing into fruition. I don't have to convince you of that. Every seed of evil, vile wickedness is now growing into a fullness, a stock of maturity. But right alongside of it 
is the seeds of glory and purity and hunger and thirst and anointing. And what's happening? It's growing right there at the same time. And the harvest is growing. And the harvest of the end of the age is coming. And as Matthew Matthew chapter 13 says, or Jesus said, the time's going to come. He says, I'm going to release even the harvester angels. And they're going to go throughout the earth. And they're going to begin to pluck up everything that offends so that it's it's burned in, in the fire. But the sons of the kingdom will be gathered into the barns into everlasting life. I know you're tracking with me tonight. Go to Revelation chapter 3, if you will. Revelation chapter 3. I want to talk for for a moment about this last day's church. In the book of Revelation, the church of Laodicea for just a few moments. And this is what I, if you're taking notes tonight, write this down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write it down. Um. You will find to the church of Laodicea, they were, they were given the greatest rebuke by Jesus himself. But don't miss this. They were also given the potential of the greatest promise by Jesus. And I want to focus on, you know, oftentimes when we think Laodicea, there's so much negativity that we often focus on. And all of that is very real. It's very true. But I, I want to look tonight at the positive as well. We need to see first, we need to see why this is so great. Secondly, we need to understand how overcoming all of these things that the church is being confronted with will actually produce some of the greatest overcomers and the greatest saints that the earth has ever seen. Mark prayed tonight an intercessory prayer. The the words just flew out of his spirit, and he said, Lord, create some of the greatest heroes right here in this church. Well, that was my message because that's exactly what God's going to do in this hour. Because right now, uh, so to speak, the men are being separated from the boys. I think you all understand what I'm talking about. See, in this hour, there's a great sifting going on. And the champions will emerge. The righteous will emerge. Are you hearing this? The heroes will emerge. The overcomers will emerge. But you have to face these things that Jesus said throughout the ages. At the end of the age, this is what's going to be happening. This is what you can find. And in Revelation chapter 3, I'm going to begin to read in verse 14. And before I do, I'm going to put this on pause. About 60 of you in this house went with me and Bren on Sunday morning to First Baptist downtown. Man, we had a powerful, powerful, powerful gathering down there. As the, uh, the president from Asbury Theological Seminary was there. It was an amazing time. And then the pastor took to these scriptures right here. And I'm not getting away from them, so here we go. Are you ready? Verse 14, three of you are ready. Are the rest of you ready? There's the church. There you are. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness. That's Jesus. The faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot, and I wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm And neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich. I've become wealthy and I have need of nothing. And do you not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? 
I counsel you, this is Jesus, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. That's love right there, ladies and gentlemen. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten and therefore be zealous and repent. What does that mean? It means receive the changing of the heart and let your mind, let the way that you think be radically changed and transformed. Behold, I, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now watch these words. These are epic words. Epic, epic. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. To he who has near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Notice that. They received the greatest rebuke, yet the greatest promise. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you either believe... You either believe this is the word of God or you do not. I believe every word of this, even the commas, <laughs> even the exclamation points. I believe the book of maps in the back. You either believe it's the word of God or not. Now, here's this epic promise. He says, I want you to overcome just like I overcame. And I'm offering you to sit down with me on my throne, just like I sat down with my father. This is powerful stuff. Now listen, the church of Laodicea, let's grab a few things here. They were so prosperous like much of the church today. They had everything that they needed but God. And this caused them to become lukewarm. And it made the Lord so sick. These are his words. They're not Brian's words. He said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Again, remember the words of Isaiah. When, when, when he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You tracking with me? My ways are not your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great, so much greater and so much higher are, are my thoughts. And oftentimes, our perspectives are, what I'm getting at and drilling down to right now is, our perspectives at times can be worlds away from God's perspective. Where we think everything is okay, and yet the Spirit of God is, is grieved. The Spirit of God is quenched. The heart of God is broken. This is why we've got to get back to feeling the pains of God, the heart of God. Because we can, we can go along thinking that everything is okay. And yet God is saying, I've been watching all along and I need to tell you, you think this way. You think you're fine. You think you're clothed beautifully, but actually when I look at you, you're naked. And I don't want you, hear the heart of the Father, I don't want you to be naked. I want you to come to me and get white garments. 
I want you to truly see. I want you to have real vision. I want my eye salve to be placed on you so I can give you eyes that really see reality. It's, it's a high calling that Jesus is calling us to, ladies and gentlemen. But he says, I want you to be zealous, verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Now, notice this is the New Testament. These are the words of Jesus. Those I love, I rebuke and I chasten. And I say to you, therefore, be zealous and repent. What does that? Change your heart. Change your way of thinking. Write this down. Being lukewarm, oh, being lukewarm is the worst condition a Christian can fall into. It reveals... An ultimate contempt for the Lord. I'm going to let that sit right there for a moment. Lukewarmness reveals something. It reveals an ultimate contempt for the Lord. And indifference is the greatest affront to any relationship. Did you hear what I said? Indifference is the greatest affront to any relationship. To know the Almighty God. Hear this, church. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. To know the Almighty God and then to become lukewarm towards Him, it is the greatest insult of all. Here's the words of Charles Spurgeon. Listen to these powerful words, and I quote, It is not possible that mortal men should be thoroughly conscious of the divine presence without being filled with awe. Why, why do I read that in the quote? Because being filled with awe, the opposite of being filled with awe is being lukewarm. The reason that the angels cry, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They're not doing that out of ritual. They're doing that out of divine revelation and awe and wonder of seeing the glory of God. How, how can we get to the place where, where here we are, sons and daughters of God. We should be in total awe of God. And yet, we can move into a place. I never want to move into this place of lukewarmness. I pray against it all the time. Why? Jesus said in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. May that never be your story, victory. May that never be your story. So the Lord calls out Laodicea. He says, therefore, repent. Change your heart. Get low. Humble yourself. Change your way of thinking. We must recover the zeal of the Lord. Can I get an amen in this house? We must recover the zeal of the Lord. We have to do it if we're going to make it in these last days. And there is a truly a great falling away happening in this hour. But it will not be your story if you recover the zeal of the Lord. If you humble yourself, seek hard after God. As a son and daughter, recover your fire. Recover your passion. And you can pray it by saying, Holy Spirit, light me on fire again. The Lord set the fire he sent the fire and set the fire on the altar in both the tabernacle of Moses and in the tabernacle that Solomon built. 
And then he commanded the priest to keep the fire burning. That's what he commanded them. You have to keep this fire burning. You, you have to watch out for the cares of life. These, these are the words of Jesus. You have to watch out. Remember in Mark 4 where he says the sower goes out, he sows the seed. What does he say, what does he say about that? Satan comes immediately to steal the seed or the word which was planted. Why? Because Satan knows the power of the incorruptible seed. Oh, he's not intimidated by you. He's intimidated by the power of the spoken word. And you agreeing with the power of that spoken word and then it becoming alive and powerful in you for that the word can become flesh on the inside of you. And you begin to work that word against him. Are you hearing it? Hear it. So you can't let the fire go out. You've got to work the fire. You've got to stoke the fire. It's quality. I say it all the time. I'm so deliberate about this point. It's quality time with God. You can't get away from the word. Let me tell you something about what's happening in this hour. The Christians that are getting away from the word are getting really wacky. And wacky in the Greek means wacky. And, and I also read in the Aramaic and the Hebrew, wacky means wacky. They're, they're believing cracky, wacky things. You can't get away from the Word. you got to stay saturated and soaked in the Word, and you have to believe it. You have to confess it. You have to say it. You have to get your mind and your conscience and your everything that you are congruent with going with the Word. And then you have to let the Spirit of God set that on fire within you, and you've got to guard that fire. You better believe you've got to guard and protect the fire. You better believe it. You spend time worshiping. You spend time soaking. You spend time in fellowship with others that have that same fire burning within them. It's what you do, and that's how you win. Let me tell you something. This little point tonight, I felt led to put this in about the remnant principle. The remnant principle was even alive and well during the time of Pentecost where Jesus, remember, after Jesus was risen from the dead, he spent 40 days, remember this, showing himself to everyone. Then he commissioned them to go to Jerusalem, said, go and wait and tarry till the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be endued with power. They were in the upper room for 10 days. There was 40 days Jesus was in the earth. There were 10 days they were in the upper room. And 40 plus 10 is? We got a sharp class, 50. And 50 is Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. And so 50 days after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit was poured out. But here's the thing. Jesus told 500 to go and wait and tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. But 500 were not in the room. How many, tell me how many were in that room. That's right, 120. You're tracking. It's the remnant principle. It means that, that people, are going, people are going to hear the word, but not everyone's going to respond. I'm going back to the front of the train. Pray with me that laborers will be sent out and thrust out into the harvest field. And the word is going out. The word is going out. The word is going out. And some are going to hear and heed it. And they're going to let the Holy Spirit bellow them into the harvest field. And some, some will go on insulating their lives and choose very poorly. Are you with me? 
One more thing about this, this remnant principle. See, the 120, the 100, there's, there's oh man, I, man, I could preach a series on this, but you have to bore down to this. Sometimes it requires the remnant to get down to bore down to what real unity is. Sometimes the Lord will actually shrink ministries and churches for them to find the spirit of unity so that when they hit that place of unity, then the level of glory that is spawned from it is unstoppable. I remember being with Bill and Benny Johnson. My wife and I were with them. This is the year two, two, uh, 2000. Yeah, 2000. And they were talking to us about their story, how when they became the pastors of Bethel Church in Redding, California, Bill said it in a wonderful way. He's like, yeah. He said, when Bill and Benny, or when, when Benny and I came to Bethel, he said, we grew the church down from 2,400 to 1,000. <laughs> Some of you just heard it. He said, uh, yeah, yeah, when, when Benny and I took the church, we went from a good 2,400 and we grew the church down to 1,000. Now, what was he getting at? See, sometimes that, that remnant principle is really at work, that God has to find those who are willing to come into that place of unity because he has a glory and a power so in mind that's going to come out of it. That's a good word. And boy, did the glory come forth from Bethel. Hallelujah. Write it down tonight. True faith grows stronger over the passage of time, not weaker. Stay with me. I'm going the distance tonight. I promise I'll have you out by midnight. Somebody say praise the Lord. <laughs> Abraham demonstrated this right here. Stay with me. Faith grows stronger with the passage of time, not weaker. The passage of time between when a promise is given and the passage of time, the space in between, watch it, the space in between when a promise is given to where a promise is fulfilled or manifested, what God does in that is what, I'm going to say it like this, it's when God is usually thinning out the crowd. Because a lot of people can get really caught up in just the excitement because they love the presence, but they don't walk the line. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, this doesn't mean what I just said about, about true faith grows stronger with the passage of time, not weaker. This doesn't mean that those with true faith will not waver sometimes because all of us with true faith have wavered. I will make everybody wave their hand tonight. And if I threw the mic tonight to the Apostle Peter, he would tell you my faith wavered. I even denied the Lord. So take hope tonight. Amen. I'm here to encourage you. <laughs> Not pound you down. Is our faith growing stronger? Stay with me. Is our faith growing stronger or are we going to be part of those who are actually going to drift away? People tend to draw their security by how many people are with them. I'm talking about faith right now. Stay with me. I'm talking about faith right now. People tend to draw their security by how many people are with them. True faith does not do that. 
True faith does not do that. True faith is faith in God. It is not about how many people are with us or even against us. True faith is demonstrated by patience. You have to be in this for the long haul. True faith is demonstrated by patience. Do you have a Bible for that? I sure do. It's Hebrews 6.12. For it's by faith and patience that we will inherit the promises of God. It is by faith and it is by patience. That means patience means we're going to have to have strong endurance, strong patience, strong endurance. Why? To overcome in the darkness of this age. And from the time from promises being released and fulfilled, the space in between, what happens is real faith emerges and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger over time. Now, back to the front of this train. Jesus said, Matthew 9, I'm there again. Verse 37, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers, they're few. And therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into his harvest. I'm going to round third, third base, and I'm going to slide headfirst in the home tonight. I'm going to go to Isaiah 6 for just a moment. I need to read a few verses to you. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The train of his robe filled the temple. Now, that's very different from our culture because in our culture, the bride wears the train. But in Jewish culture, the bridegroom wears the train. And the bridegroom's train speaks of authority, power, legacy, lineage. So the Lord comes walking in. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. His train is now coming in. It's filling the temple. And above it, what? Above what? The throne. Above it stood seraphim. What are seraphim? They are fiery angelic beings. Angels of fire. Think of that. Above the throne of God are these angels of fire. Each one of them had six wings. And with two, he covered his face. With the other two, he covered his feet. And with the other two, he flew And they cried one to another. What does that mean? Seraphim to seraphim. Being a fire to being a fire. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I said it earlier and I got to say it again. They weren't doing it out of ritual. They were doing it out of divine revelation. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with the smoke. And so I said, this is Isaiah. So I said, woe is me. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which was taken from the tongs from the altars. He touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Now, obviously, this is before the cross of Jesus. And what is the cross? The cross is the true altar of the Lord. And the cross is what takes away your sins and what takes away your iniquity. But we're an old covenant here. We're in a heavenly encounter with Isaiah. Are you tracking with me? The angel says, and you gotta, you got to grab hold of this. What, what I want you to grab hold of, this is so epic, is the character and the nature of God. God never wants us to stand in his presence with shame and condemnation. He never, ever wants his sons and his daughters to stand in his presence and feel the overwhelming sense of their sin. He wants to come and cleanse them from it. That's where he goes. That's why he says, I'm the God. I, I, I excel at taking care of your sins. I excel at blotting away your transgressions from you. I'm the God that excels and desires to deliver you from generational iniquities and generational malfunctions. That's the God we serve. That's the Father we have. Hallelujah. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Notice what Isaiah says. Here I am. Send me. Ekbello me. Grab a hold of me and cast me out. Take me in your loving grip and throw me out. I'm ready to go be a messenger, a mouthpiece for you. Bellow us, Lord, into the harvest. There's so much more to that passage, and I, I can't go on and on and on about it. But I'm asking you tonight to settle this, that God is calling you to be a harvester. Please look this way for just a moment. You don't have to have a pulpit in the sanctuary to validate that you have a ministry. Every one of you are anointed. You're full of the Spirit of God, and you have a ministry of reconciliation. To bring people to Christ. He wants you to go and tell the love story. The greatest love story of all. He doesn't just want you to go to the ends of the earth. He wants you to go to the ends of your neighborhood. He wants you to go to the ends of your family. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago today. I stood at the gravesite with my mother. My brother, my wife, my son, my daughter. And I got to stand with my family and speak and testify the goodness of God right out of his word. The Lord wants you to go not only to the ends of the earth, but to the ends of your family. And to the ends of your neighborhood and to the ends of this city. And take the greatest love story ever told. And let the Lord ekbello you and get you out to where it's really messy and freaky. And let the goodness of God and the glory of God start shining out of you and radiate from you and testify of the goodness of God. Your mouth has to be open to testify of the glory of Jesus. Your mouth has to be open to testify of the wonders of Jesus. You can't, you can't procrastinate. you got to stop making excuses. you got to stop pushing this off on other people, that they're more anointed, that they've, they've got all of this in their package and their DNA of personality. It's not about that. You just use what you've got. 
And I guarantee you, you begin to use what you've got, God will increase more and more and more. And he'll give you the confidence and he'll give you the courage and then he'll begin to show you the kingdom of God is at hand and it's coming out of your hand. And you began to move in miracles and healings and the power of the Spirit. I believe, I, I don't only believe it. I not only believe it, I know it. The Lord is doing something so special, kissing victory, because he's sending us into the harvest fields. It's time. It's time. So I'm going to close with two scriptures. Can I have five more minutes? Anybody? Can I have five? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. Praise the Lord. Sorry, I had to do that. My dad would do that. Can I have five more minutes? Oh, excellent. Romans 10. This is so good. Romans 10. Look at it. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how... Can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Sent. For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know what I'm praying? God, raise up voices. God, raise up messengers. God, God, raise up young people. God, raise them up. Preachers that are men and women sent into the harvest. How will Sarah Soda know unless we go? They're not breaking down the walls of this church right now. We've got to go. And we must go. And we must go. And we must not go with insecurity. We must go with confidence that our God is with us and our God is for us. And I tell you plainly, God has given us this city. He's given us this city. He's given us this region. And it belongs to the Lord. And he wants us to join us in harvesting for the souls of the ages, the harvest of the ages to partner with God in this hour. And I close with this. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came and he spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Do you believe that? Can I, can I just really ask you, has your mind and your heart been renewed to that revelation that Jesus holds all authority? You have to. That single revelation will ekbella you and cast you out to go begin to move with God. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, and lo, <laughs> I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the prayer is, Lord, ekbelo us. Lord, send us out. Jesus said, I want you to join me in this prayer. Understand, the problem is not the harvest. The problem is the laborers being sent out. There's not enough. There's not enough. And so with the courage that God has given us, let's pray tonight. Come on, let's pray. Put your Bibles aside. Let's pray tonight with courage.
And I want you to find your own words in these, in these next moments before we transition. And we've got a few things to do, and then we're going to be opening the altars. But I, I want you to find your own words about the Lord moving you into the harvest field. Find that place of identity and own it tonight. Own this tonight that you're a harvester. Own it tonight. Own the calling. Own the call. See yourself as a harvester. See yourself going into the fields with the Lord. See yourself engaging with troubled people. See yourself leaning into the Holy Spirit to engage with them and find the words and the anointing. And you say, oh God, put, put your presence on me, on my countenance. Put your words in my mouth like a fire. Put your creativity and wisdom in my mind so I can move the conversation up to a higher plane of glory to introduce them to you. See yourself moving with the Lord in this city, in this region. See that, see that church. Holy Spirit, show us. Holy Spirit, show us. And Lord, I, I just pray too, just humbly, that, that you, would, you would sever the cords of our own insecurities as people. And we, we all have them. <laughs> I have them. We all have them. Lord, I pray you just, you just sever the cord of the insecurities that, that we have clung to for so long. And you set us free from that. And that, that we wouldn't be able to make excuses any longer. And that we would find that, Lord, you are putting your words in our mouth. And we're finding words to articulate and release life and release power and anointing and loose people from chains. For you've given us the words of the wise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I follow us, Lord. to do it, but I, I feel compelled to ask you again to just, just lift your hands as an act of surrender to the Lord tonight. And, and maybe you need to make this confession tonight. Lord, I thank you that you have made me a harvester. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sweet anointing, sweet anointing. Flow. take the people of victory and, and, and make them like, like, like the, the banners and the flags that are outside right now blowing in the wind on Richardson Road. Make us, make us that rallying point, that rallying point, that flag that goes up and moves in your winds, Lord, and that it rallies the people not to ourselves, but it rallies the people to your presence and your glory. 
just like David of old, Lord. He would never rally the people unto himself, but he would rally the people to the glory. And, Lord, I, I pray that you would make us that kind of family that, Lord, when we gather, the flags go up. <laughs> the banners go up. And we bring people into your glory. Let that happen, Lord, everywhere as we go out. Even this week, Lord, let us go out. Let us move in your winds. And let people come into your presence and encounter you. And I thank you that this week, Lord, we're going to prophesy. Word, prophetic words are going to come out of our lips. And they're going to land on people. And, Lord, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stretch forth our hands. And people are going to be delivered. They're going to be healed. They're going to be set free from the afflictions of anxiety, of panic. Uh, uh, Lord, you're going to use us in profound and practical ways. This week, it's going to happen in Publix and, and, and in coffee shops and on the beach and in, and in businesses. And it's going to happen. And you're going to use us. Because you are ekbellowing us, casting us out, thrusting us out strongly in the power of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Come on, give the Lord praise. Let's, let's kill a sacred cow in here right now. Can we do it? Can you hear it mooing? Let's kill a sacred cow. And I'm going to help you do it. I want you to make this confession over your life. If you have the courage to do it. I am anointed. Insecurity. People are even insecure in the church. It's so, it's so wacky. You, you've got to know that you're anointed. You're, you're chosen. You're appointed. That's why I don't get, you know, insecure around my guys in the church. Because I look at them and I tell them, you're anointed. Because I see the anointing on them and in them and flowing through them. That's how it works. You're anointed. You're anointed. You're anointed. God's with you. He's on you. He's in you. You're anointed. And it's false humility to say anything else. Don't you dare cower down. God's going to use you. He's already used you. He wants to use you exceedingly more. You're anointed. Hallelujah. So I think the cow fell over. Let's do this. Shane's going to come. Shane, I want you to come, buddy. Um, and you can use this mic, too. Um, Shane's going to give a couple things that are so important. We want to receive tonight's offering. Let's do that first. You give some instructions, Shane. Share the announcements, and then we, we've got something else we want to tell you. And then I want our prayer team to begin to prepare themselves. Ushers, if you can get ready. If you need a uh, giving envelope, we encourage you. Just keep your hands raised until, until somebody gets to you. Also, you can give on our app. That's Victory FLA. That's actually how 
one fellow anointing in this house. Let's just stay engaged with that. Stay engaged with that. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you allow us to give to you. What an honor it is to honor you with our finances, to honor you with our money, to honor you with our time, to honor you with ourselves, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that we have bread to give. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We ask you to bless this.
I will be there weekly. When I was in the meeting, she's letting me know the things I can and cannot do, and it doesn't pro 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 prohibit me from sharing the gospel, sharing disagreements with quote-unquote other faith. It doesn't present any of that. It doesn't prohibit me to do any of that. And as I'm sharing, she goes, you can represent your church too. And I told her, I said, I'm not here to represent my church. I'm here to represent Jesus. I'll invite them to my church, obviously, because there is going to be an abundance of kids, young adults getting saved. I could have easily went to a Christian college, but God is not doing that. God wants to break up the fallow ground and bring revival to a secular college. I asked her, I said, would you be interested in, in letting all three campuses come together maybe one night for worship? She said, yeah, that's no problem. She goes, I'll give you the auditorium. She says, I'll give you the auditorium. You can preach the gospel. There's more. When I meet the chaplain, we walk into the to the to what they use as a chapel. And as I walk into the to the chaplain, he's praying there with a young adult. And so so Tessa and I, that's her name, we leave and I'm sharing, I'm sharing my testimony with her. And the Holy Ghost is all over her. The young that young adult left. We walk in. And I shake hands with the chapel, chaplain, and you can just see the Spirit of God hits him. The Holy Ghost was all over him. And he looks at Tesla and he goes, I, I don't mean to make you nervous, but that young man just told me something that you need to know. And I think by this young man walking in here, this is a divine appointment. He said, this young man, on Thursdays, He's involved with his baseball team. But on this Thursday, I guess all the practices was canceled. So as he's driving down from Orlando, the Holy Spirit tells this young man to tell the chaplain what God is doing in Asbury, he's going to do right there in SCF. And then I walk in and meet this chaplain. This chaplain is spirit-filled. Psalm 145 verse 4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another generation, and they shall declare your mighty acts. I want to encourage every young person that is in this room, if you're under the age of 30, do not leave this building without getting prayed for. Because God is uniting the old Jesus revolution with the new Jesus revolution. My generation is marked for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And he is going to use one generation to another generation. And they shall declare his mighty acts in the earth in these last days. So if you're my age, don't you dare walk out of this building without getting prayed for because we are in an ekbello moment. There is an ekbello anointing on this place. And God is going to send you out into your spirit of influence. And God is going, God is going to flip.
is reaching upside down for the gospel. Hallelujah. My God, let's all stand. Let's stand and give this offering tonight. Come on, ushers, are you ready? Shane, I'm telling you, we're, we're right there. It's generation to generation. Generation to generation. Are you ready to give tonight? Father, we bless, we bless the seed, we bless the tithe, we bless every offering coming in. Let abundance overtake your people in 2023. There will be no lack in the house of God. There will be no lack for the righteous. Every provision will be met in Jesus' name. Amen. Philip, take this. Hallelujah. I'd like our, our prayer team to prepare themselves. Yeah, you can stand and give. Go ahead, stand and give. I want our altar team to prepare themselves in just the next few moments. Yeah, guys. Thanks, Cody. Hallelujah. <laughs> Cody, you're awesome. You're like, I'm not on keys. I'm, I'm moving out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, ushers. I see those moving through. Thank you. Why don't we give praise that we have seed to give tonight? thankful so thankful all right we're about there we're about there so we're going to open the altars in the next few moments if you're part of our prayer team i want you to join me in the front if you have any level of need tonight we want to pray for you if you're in here and you say you say i want more of the fire of the holy spirit in my life you need to come get prayer tonight and like, like Shane said, if you're under 30 tonight, if you're under 30, you need to get in this altar. Listen, if you're under 30, you need to get in this altar and get prayer tonight. And if you're over 30 and even over 90 tonight, you need to get in this altar and get prayer tonight. Listen, we love you. We bless you. Lord, let your fire fall and let your presence be, be released and let words of life be released and the touch of God come in Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. Come on. You want prayer? Come. Good night, everybody. We love you. We love you.